another year of March Madness in the books. One shining moment plays. The video was made. I cried. And I'm sad that the tournament's over, but I'm happy it happened. UConn, national champions, their fifth in the last 20 years or so since we've been born. The Blue Blood talks are a miss. Everyone's talking about, is UConn now a Blue Blood? I think they are. Uh, but I'm happy to break down the game. I'm excited to break down the game. And I have a UConn fan on the air with me. Riley has taken in the entire tournament, rooting for UConn. He's been a fan of them all year. I'm excited to hear what he has to say. Riley, how are you feeling with UConn finally on top? And for the first time since Kemba and Shabazz, now you have a new UConn team. Oh, man. No, it's it's great. And it, it's it's been really rough, Steve. I, I don't know if you know me, but it's been, God, almost like four years, five years since the team I rooted for won the championship. Oh, and it, <laughs> it's been a, been a dark couple of times. And, I mean, I guess you can kind of count the Brady – the Brady one, I'll t- I'll take that one too. So God, yeah, it's it's been a while though. Definitely been a while. Um, well, the Celtics do last year. Yeah, no, not 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 ideal. But um, yeah, no, I mean, what's funny about like UConn with me and my relationship with them is, I I equate it very much to like you and uh like the Yankees in terms of like you don't really care about what's going on in the MLB, but you're like. I watch all the Yankees games are like what you do when you like them. And like, right. you care, you, you care, Normal. and you know, everything. Most that's going on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like when you, when you care about them and you're into them, you watch them all. And that's kind of how I am with, with UConn is like, I don't really care or really know what's going on in college basketball until like the tournament comes around. But like this UConn team, I watched like a majority of the games this year. Um, and most, of, and most of the time, because it's just, the only thing from Connecticut growing up that like you have. So it's like the only thing that like brings any value for like my parents and my yeah. grandparents too. Well, so it's like, whalers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so um, it's very cool. I, I, I can't say I'm, I expected them to make it uh, this far, but they've come a definitely come a long way, but um, I'm very happy they did because I mean, you watch them. This team is just, loaded and they've been loaded all year so could they show it off yeah it was an interesting kind of journey for them right because I don't know how much you got to tune in to them during the regular season probably more than me but like I I was tuned into I watched a lot yeah I I was tuned into their storylines most more so just because I follow a lot of college basketball stuff I knew what was going on and the season started amazing for them I don't think they lost a a non-conference game or at least they were the number one ranked team in the nation during non-conference play and then it got to the conference play and they struggled and that's what happens in that conference. I feel like the teams know each other, they beat up on each other and they kind of got to work some kinks out. Obviously I live, I actually vividly remember you uh, texting us at some point in the middle of the season being like Jordan Hawkins is a special player and will be a very, very good player in the NBA. And then I obviously made a James book night joke because I'm pretty sure you said the same thing about him, but I, I do agree. I think Hawkins yep. have that special traits about him. Uh, but yeah, it was that time you kind of wondered, it's like, oh, I think they kind of fell off. Everyone kind of has been exposing them in the conference play. And then towards the end of the year, they rebounded. They kind of figured things out. And it's like, oh, my God, here they come. And then they lose to Marquette in the conference tournament. And it's like, oh, my God, oh, what's going on? And then obviously they come into the tournament and uh, dominate, flat out dominate. What has kind of been you know, like your ride with them throughout the year? How you felt and up and up through the ups and downs? 
So I think, uh, to your point, um, I really came into this season um, pretty upset. I'm going to be honest because Dan Hurley, I, I, this is going to sound ridiculous to say now that the nets have been cut down, but I can't say I was too in on him. Like I was like, once they transitioned back into the big East, um, he had them ranked for the last two years or the last, um, yeah, the two years before this one. And both of them, they were outed in the round of 64 by a significantly inferior opponent. They, whoa, I think they lost, they lost whoa, them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> We're talking about Maryland here. <laughs> okay, well, regardless of the quality of play, how about a significantly lower seed? All right, they were. They were... I was going to bring yeah. up. I was going to ask you later on. Do you think that loss to Maryland you can attribute to the spark of this entire run by Dan Early? But and... well, it wasn't only that because then they they then they lost that the first year, and then the second year they lost to New Mexico State right, and Teddy yeah. Allen, whose brother's <laughs> on uh, Texas. And I, I I had like this PTSD flashback because I'm watching that game where Texas ends up blowing it to Miami, and I, they keep showing Teddy Allen and saying like, "Oh, I hate that guy. Like, what is that guy up to now?" Um, but I was I was gotta be like, all right. He can recruit for sure, and he can build the build the program. But now is the time he really has to start getting it done. And I really did think that if he didn't make it out of the first weekend this time, that the seat was going to start getting a little bit hot for him. Um, but I mean, they looked like a absolute wagon this entire year. Uh, yeah, to your point, I, they won like the first seven games in a row. They reached as high as number two um, in the country. Always be- always behind Purdue, which I know is tough considering they're such a powerhouse right now as they always are but always. um yeah I, I i will say though a lot of this stuff i i what made this team so fun to me is and what we definitely will get into this but it's just like it there was always a game where somebody else was contributing and going off and you never really were sure that like only one player was going to take over it wasn't like um it wasn't like mellow in Syracuse you know what I mean where it was just like, well, he's like the one who's ever... Clark at Iowa exactly it's not <laughs> like she's like all right well Kalen Clark is going to get 40 points and everyone else is just going to sit around and watch with with these teams what was so weird was that like just like one day would just be like the caravan game and then there would be yeah. like the, like it's it, and that's what I'm saying like everything would flow and there's always like levels of consistency with like Sunogo was always pretty good um Hawkins was always pretty good um and then all of a sudden it just started clicking and they hit that, that rough stretch down in the middle when they had to play like the big East. But once it all got back up and they got out of conference play, they were just rolling again. So I, I loved it. One of the more fascinating things about them from why I think I just kind of fell in love with the team. I don't remember when it was, but we caught up kind of recently just talking about the UConn team. I think it was when they were, uh, what round were you over my place? Uh, when we well, when they played Gonzaga. Yeah, that was. I think that's when we had a chance to catch up. We were just talking about the team, and like obviously it starts with Sonogo and Hawkins. We're like, yeah, I really like those guys, and it was like Caravan. What I I really like him, and it's Jackson. Well, I really like him, and Calcaterra. Oh, I like it. Klingon. He he's awesome. Like it's just they have so many good players and had so much talent. And then the only guy I didn't really like very much was Newton. I've shit on him a bunch of times on this podcast and to you off the mic, and he had an incredible championship game he had a double double almost a triple double he had a few bad turnovers but he was part of the reason they were able to uh fight off that san diego state run towards the end and he was able a huge probably their second best player uh yesterday so that was the big oh my god no totally 
yeah, that they they do not win that game without him. He was the one who, and I was actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say the same thing as like, I even when I said to you, and this is, I literally said like, he's okay, like, but the problem, like, he's their eighth best player, so it's like, how good does he really have to be? And he played like he was, he could be one of the best, yeah. um, which is great for him because, um. I mean, he's going, he's leaving now. So he's leaving his entire UConn career on a high note. He'll be a legend around there forever. He's already a senior. Um, not going to get drafted, I wouldn't think, but. Um, in the NBL? See him over there? Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe an NBL guy. Maybe you can follow him there. That's that's always one of my favorite storylines, like a month after the college basketball, seeing which of the guys I just watched sign in the NBL. And I'm like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> so I'll keep, I'll keep my eye out for Newton. I'm keeping my eye up well, on Marquise Goodwin from Kansas State. That's my big one. I think he's good. Or Marquise, <laughs> there, yeah. Uh, Marquise yeah. Goodwin. He's the 49ers receiver. <laughs> he's a receiver, yeah. yeah. Well, I I mean, I was going to say, yeah, go, even going back to that, where, like, I think that Gonzaga game was really eye-opening for a lot of people and that it was just, like, they just completely dominated what was, should have been their hardest competition left. And – I can't lie, once Creighton kind of got taken out of the game on that BS foul, um, I was very happy because I was like, all right, we don't have to play any more Big East teams. That was your scariest team, yeah. Exactly. And they, they could just keep rolling against these other teams. And I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because, um, they, I mean, flat-out domination from this team the entire tournament. I think they beat every single team by – double digits. I think they averaged the, the, the winning by 20 points. Um, it, it like, I can't imagine I, how frustrated I would be if I was like, not a fan of the team because they, besides that first half against Iota, there was, there wasn't really fun to watch. It wasn't really competitive games. They just like immediately took leads and never gave up. Yeah. I think it was honestly a product of the tournament as a whole too, because it's the, an adage is old of time as, Adage old as time in NCAA tournament land. It's like the upsets are awesome in the first couple of rounds, but once it gets to the end, you want the best teams in it. And somehow UConn kind of found a way to be the only like actually really good team in the tournament. I mean, Miami yeah. had a nice story. They went on a really good run. They have really well coached, but like other than, I mean, San Diego state, man, I, I said it on the last pod. If anyone listened to that, it was, there was at least 10 minutes of straight of me just bitching about San Diego state because they're so boring. They're really awesome yeah. on defense. Oh, They're just horrible. a talented team. And the fact that they were able to squeak out those two one-point wins, against uh, one of them against a Creighton team that I really thought was super talented. And then, obviously, Alabama, who Brandon Miller looked like a fucking shit show, and they beat the best team in the nation. And it's like that kind of ruined the whole bracket on that side. And then Florida Atlantic was a great story as well, but they just, they just choked at the end because they're not that good. And it kind of lucked out for UConn in a sense that pretty much, like you said, obviously dominant the whole tournament. It was a product of that, and it got really good matchups, man. The teams they went up against, Sonogo was bigger than the opposing center on every team, and that doesn't yep. even factor in Klingon. And, like, if they went up against Creighton, you have Kalkbrenner. If you if they went up against FAU, I don't remember the kid's name, but they have a seven-foot-something center. So it just gave – uh, our, my guy, I fucking love Sonogo. He's awesome. He's does everything that I look for in my centers, and just I really hope he somehow finds a way to get into the NBA. He's not going to. He's too small. But God, he's so much fun to watch. But he was able to dominate. And yeah, I think there's definitely people out there who don't like UConn, and it was definitely 
really frustrating, but it would have sucked for like to watch a whole March Madness tournament, to watch a whole uh, college basketball season. It's like, all right, our champion is San Diego State, this team that scores like 50 points. Oh. That was the cap. So I, I hope people found that UConn winning was kind of like we needed it. We needed a team like them to win. Yeah, and I'm very glad you brought that up about the Shady State because I know I, I was listening to you talk about them on the, the pod you recorded on Sunday. And and I definitely had that entire trajectory uh, during the game last night because I'm like, all right, like they were always 11 points ahead of San Diego State like the entire game. But at, but just as like it felt like they were, UConn was going to get out of reach of them, the, then San Diego State would just get a couple, like hit one big three-pointer and just keep it consistently at 11. Yeah. And I was like, I want to be able to like, just like relax at this, but like, it, and like, don't get me wrong. At no point was I ever really scared that like, oh man, like UConn's going to blow this. Cause like, I just didn't think they would, but I was, I was also not reassured to be like, all right, they're just clo- like, can they just lock this up? This team just would not go away. And you're right. They just play like the most boring style of basketball. Like they were just disgusting. Yeah, and that's fine. You like a team like that to muck things up in the first couple of rounds because it's funny and interesting and whatever. But, like, they got past Alabama and it's like, whoa. And then they beat Creighton. And it's like, all right, they're just knocking out teams. They're just way better. And they didn't have the same fortune against UConn because they couldn't make a shot. They're just not talented. In the other games, they had some lucky buckets. They came through when it mattered. But in this one, they just couldn't make a shot. Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, And, I mean – I, I don't know what the team next year is going to look like. I think Hawkins Hawkins is probably going to be a lottery pick at this point. Um, and Sonogo, I don't know. I think you, you just said it. I, I mean, he had such a great postseason, but I don't know if he can play center in the league. I don't think he's just – He'll probably has be the right back. size. I'd be surprised oh, if I would, he back as long as he I would love back. if he came back, please. And I mean, then, you'll, you'll probably lose Jackson, who I love also. I think he's a – He I, said – he said today or yesterday, he was like, if if coach will have me back, I'm more than happy to come back. Maybe that was just the heat of the moment kind of discussion or whatever. But if he comes back, I will be head over heels. Well, th- to me, he's like an invaluable part of your team because I was going to say it earlier oh, yeah. and bring it up. I feel so much better when the ball is in his hands instead of yep. kind of like running the offense. So I, I just love the way he plays and the style of play and as a glue guy. He's so good. Like he always can just make – the right passes at the right times. And I, cause I was just, I keep thinking back to this, the this play against uh, Gonzaga where it was like, it was at, it was right before at halftime and UConn had like a timeout. And um, I think like Newton was at the top of the key and they had like probably like, like a second, maybe less than a second left. And he, he tries to, Newton tries to pass it into Sonogo, double teamed in the paint. And Jackson just runs out of nowhere, catches it, and just passes it out uh, to to um, to Caravan. And he just hits the three at the buzzer. And they are just continue to just r- rake it in and kill any momentum Gonzaga had. And just like, that's just a perfect example of Andre Jackson and uh, Chills that he's just like constantly just making the team better. And, but like, he can't score. That's his one problem. Is that, and like, I wonder how that will translate into the NBA. Yeah, well, we were. I think there was that one play. It was so funny in last night's game. He like, I don't know. If he, he got like a transition steal or something, and then like the, the two players like running alongside of him. He literally just pulled up from the top of the three point line and just air yep. it, and it was so fucking immediately. Funny. Yep, yeah. it was so funny, and and like that's the thing is like I see him. It's like you. He's probably provides a lot of value in the NBA, 
because of that, which is what you're saying is that he just always feels he's in the right place at the right time. And the game flows so well. And if they lose him, I'm going to be really upset. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Andre Iguodala in his late, later years. Like, Obviously, a little yeah. more athletic than Iguodala was at that point, but just always making the right pass. He could shoot a little bit if it comes to a catch and shoot, but just gonna do, play great defense and do all the right things. Um, and obviously, a, hopefully, a chance to develop more than a thirty-eight-year-old Iguodala did. But uh, yeah, I like yeah. The, the the other one I'm very interested in is you're right. If Shinogo comes back, what does that do for Klingon? Because like. He's he's only a freshman right now, so he'll be coming back as a sophomore. And I mean, when you watch him, that's the thing is like he he never really does it. He never really puts up like an impressive stat line like Sonogo or Hawkins can. But like when you watch him out there, it's just like you could see the building blocks for him to be like something insane. Yeah. And so it's like I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know if if someone just takes like a flyer on him alone, basically being like, well, he's really tall and pretty strong. Yeah, but, uh, I think he definitely has the chops to be an NBA player, and that's so funny too. It's like we're saying that like Sonogo just dominated in NCAA tournaments. Like, yeah, probably not going to make it. Sorry, kid. But then there's Klingon who played like ten minutes a game, and like obviously was good in those ten minutes. But it's so funny how like the tools matter for the NBA draft more so than the actual like performance. But it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. To see. I think he's definitely going to get drafted. It's just a matter of if he wants to or spend another year and like kind of develop. But that, that's how easy is it to develop playing behind Sonogo who's going to get 35 minutes a night, you know, does he transfer? I don't know if that would be the smartest thing for him, uh, but I feel like there's got to be something there. I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. What What's also nuts about UConn next year is um, they have a top five recruiting class, oh, including wow. bringing in a, a one five-star recruit uh, at the forward position. So that does free up space where if, um, Jackson does leave, they can potentially plug in this new five-star kid. If when Hawkins gets drafted, if they want to move Jackson over to the uh, a guard and have this other kid come in, um, that could be huge for them as well. But yeah, they're only going to get better. So it's it's crazy to see. Um, I want I did want to ask you this question, uh, talking about Jordan Hawkins because I think we all agree that like this is, he's probably the guy who has the biggest chance of this entire team like making the NBA. Um, what team? do you think right now could he provide the most value to? Not the Rockets. Please don't go to no. the Rockets. <laughs> um, I, think God, no. probably, I think that would probably be like the single worst place for him to go uh, just because they have enough of those guys who, whatever, catch and shoot. I think a team where that like has maybe like a defensive point guard who doesn't, who doesn't have like a necessarily like a shot chucker, like a team like the Bulls. That's a good example. Like a veteran-laden team but they're starting like Alex Caruso and Pat Bev. If they could bring Hawkins off the bench and, and start him like 20, 25 minutes a night and score when they need him to score, kind of replace like Kobe White and just be better than what Kobe White does. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. a good place for him to start. I just think he needs to he needs to get minutes on a team that like has a good culture, not like a team like Houston where he would just fall into a black hole or a team like Charlotte, which I think screwed over Book Knight. I mean, obviously Book Knight had talent, but when you go to a team with no – coaching no veteran leadership nothing you're just getting thrown into the fire and he wasn't able to develop yeah and also like what what makes Hawkins so great I think is just like his ability to like every single team needs a guy who can just run around and hit three-pointers and just like pop off screens um and I kind of hope that 
um, if they end up bottoming out, that Dallas takes him with the like a top 10 pick, if they value him that high, because I could see him, he could really help space the floor for, for Luca, especially if Kyrie ends up leaving. Um, yeah. And it, it provides like a perimeter threat that, you know, they got rid of. Uh, so I think he could be helpful that way. And he doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. So I, I think that could really work as well. That was something I was going to bring up about him too. It's like, I, and we brought up book night a lot. I feel like he just is naturally going to get these comparisons. And one thing I like about him way better than I did book night. It's I feel like Hawkins kind of has more of an IQ in terms of, I don't need to be putting up 20 shots a night. I know I have, I'm a great shooter, but I'm going to shoot in the rhythm of the game. I'm going to shoot when I'm open. I'm going to shoot when there's plays drawn up for me. I'm not going to go out seeking my shot. And I felt like that was book night sometimes. He's like, I'm the best player on this team. I have to find a way to find my shot and create and find ways to get my my shots up at the rim. Whereas Hawkins, I feel like, will is more of a fit at the NBA level in terms of just being able to fit on an offense. I agree with you there. Yeah, well, what's, what's funny is Hawkins was actually on the team last year, like with book night. But they literally brought him in as like a Shake Milton player, and he would be like, "All right, just come in and just like chuck up a bunch of threes and then go sit back down." Like basically, like what Calcaterra was like did for right. them this year. And so, but it's funny to see him like change so much, and now he is just like he he plays very much, and it's it's like a stupid thing to say, but it's like he he just he would fit so well in like the Warriors' offense. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's just like just keep moving, keep like staying around the perimeter, or like just do a quick cut. Like I could see that working for him as well. Um, and again, I mean, again, when you have a guy so good at handling the ball as Andre Jackson, it's like, how can you take it out of that guy's hands either? So, um, yeah. oh man, no, this is good. This felt very cathartic to talk about all this stuff. I hope everybody comes back. Yeah, I know. I'm definitely hoping Sonogo at the very least comes back. I don't know where else he would go, but I could watch Sonogo play basketball all the time. He's just so good at everything he does. Uh, looking What's forward- what- What's yeah, crazy about him, too, is just, like, the last thing is, like, he's another guy where just, like, you look up and you're like, oh, my God, okay, wait, he has, like, 16 points. I like, how did that happen? He's just, like, backed yeah. up and back down enough dudes and just keeps scoring. Well, because I feel like he doesn't miss many shots. When he takes them, he makes them. He's very smart in terms of shots. Exactly. Which I feel like the whole team yeah. is. That's why I think they gelled so much and were able to go on this run. Um, it was definitely a lot of fun to follow along with them this year. Um, do you think – where does this team – we'll close it out on this. Where does this team kind of rank for you in terms of your favorite UConn teams? Um, I still think the Kemba one, that uh, the 2011 one, that's the one that probably means, like, the most. Just because, like th- – that really was more of, like, the opposite of what we're talking about. We're just like, all right, one dude, and he's just, like, going off. Yeah. And it was so fun to watch. This one felt so balanced. And even, again, like – I think most people expect them to do pretty well and they kind of did like march their way through it. It wasn't as much of a surprise as like the hot 2011 one or like the 2014 one that kind of came out of nowhere with Shabazz and everything. Um, I think this is the best of all the teams though. It's the most well-balanced. And I I think for that reason, um, it's probably not my favorite, but I think it's flat out the best one that they've had in um, like the last like, two decades in your tenure <laughs> yeah exactly like, yeah. i got i remember go I, I don't really remember the ones with like uh in 2004 I, I was like very very young even though my parents remember that one yeah yeah really really fun journey glad we got to kind of talk it out glad i got to do a lot of march madness talk on this uh network it's a lot of fun i love the tournament every single year it always delivers and even with a relatively boring tournament this year it was still 
absolutely electric TV. Yeah, it, it was. It's always great. Um, and yeah, I mean, now we get to just go in and talk about the draft and everything. That'll be fun. But but uh, do you think that's a reason, not to get too sidetracked, do you think that's a reason that people weren't as like very interested in this um, tournament? Is that like the top two players, like Wembenyama and Scoot Henderson, like weren't there? And like the Thompson twins weren't either. So it's like, yeah, well, like, the, like the, the people were going to be the lottery picks. Yeah. So yeah. it was just a horrible mix of things. Um, and Brendan Miller sucked. He was yeah, so exactly. bad. So it's, I think that was part of it. And then even, I feel like people could have gotten gotten past that if there were a couple of blue blood programs or big name coaches in there too. And we didn't have that either. It was literally UConn or a team we've never seen before win a title. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I liked FAU. Like if, if besides UConn, I'd like them to win, but it's like, that's just so weird. I, I get, that's like a weird thing. It's like, you love these Cinderella stories until it's like, it's I don't really know if I want FAU winning this. Exactly. So like, what did I just watch this whole season for? <laughs> like, what just happened? Yeah, I've never watched a minute of FAU before this tournament. Exactly. But yeah, lots of fun. Nah. Um, looking forward. We got NBA playoffs coming up next week. Um, so getting into the home stretch of things in the NBA season. Um, you can follow us at Hoop Beans Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, to keep up with everything we've got coming out. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to help us out and make sure you're getting all the latest episodes. So um, I think we'll have one more Hoop Beans episode before the playoffs kick off. So make sure to listen to that. And until then, we'll see you next time. Another episode of your favorite show.